On your PC, iPod or smartphone, this is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on the first edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2017, we catch up with the host of the Women's Footy Show on Channel 9, Tiffany Cherry. We chat with a Canadian member of the Victorian Women's Football Academy, Valerie Moreau. We take a look at the new book, A Footy Girl's Guide to the Stars of 2017, with its co-author, Nicole Hayes. We meet some of the members of the new Los Angeles Women's Aussie Rules team, and we preview round one of the AFL Women's Comp Competition with Girls Play Footy radio caller Matthew Cox. All of that coming up on the GirlsPlayFooty.com podcast. Peter Holden and welcome to the first edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2017. Our third year of doing these podcasts but what a special year it is with the inaugural AFL women's season finally here. Now we'll have some more details on that in a few minutes time when we'll talk about the broadcast guide about how you can catch these uh, opening matches but before we do that let's get into our first interview. Women's Footy is a croc media production that will be airing on Channel 9 in Melbourne, Adelaide and Perth and TDT in Tasmania every Sunday on the 5th of February. It will start at 10.30am and after that every Sunday somewhere between 10.30am and 1pm depending on what events and other programs are on. It'll be a one hour show hosted by Tiffany Cherry along with reporter and producer Ros Lanigan and AFL women stars such as Melissa Hickey, Stephanie Kiochi, Mo Hope and Katie Brennan. And we've got on the line the uh, original female boundary rider for Fox Footy all the way back in 2001. She was also an anchor on Fox Sports doing their Winter Olympics, Summer Olympics and Commonwealth Games coverage. And as we said, now host of Women's Footy on the Nine Network. It's great to have here Tiffany Cherry. Tiffany, thanks for joining us. Great, Peter. Thank you. It's uh, wonderful to be joining you. Well, we are counting down the days to the start of the inaugural AFL women's season. And of course, Channel 9 are getting behind it with the women's footy show. Um, first of all, um, how did you become involved in this project? I was asked by Croc Media, the production company putting it together, which is uh, owned and, and run by Craig Hutchison. So funny enough, um, so Craig and I have been friends for many years and uh, and funny enough, he then obviously got the the gig for the men's show. So uh, yeah, so we'll be bookending the, uh, the both the footage shows, obviously from the start to the finish of the of both uh, you know AFL and AFLW seasons, but um, you know, I've been involved in football for over 20 years. I started out actually as a runner with Brian Taylor, who was uh, coaching my then um, former school's under 19 team, Kerry, and uh, and that's pr- pretty much where I learnt the positions of footy. Because when I was uh, even a teenager, there wasn't even Oz kick for girls, so I used to just uh, love kicking the footy with my brother, and, and obviously going to watch games and, uh, and and through school, and then I became a physio and I was the first female physio involved um, with Richmond Footy Club and uh, to get the gig for that one I actually had to give the coach who was John Northey at the time a massage to prove that I was strong enough so we've certainly come a long way in 20 years back then when I got that gig uh, 22 years and and then you know as you said uh, Fox Footy followed and uh, and there's been many and varied roles since. And, of course, uh, with yourself being the first female boundary rider on Fox Footy, if we just go back uh, just over a decade ago, there was still very limited female voices in the football media. 
well, even longer than a decade. It's 2001 is 16 years and, and first female, not just at Fox Footy, but across the board to be the boundary rider. I, I got the baton handover from Dipper. And, yeah, and there was, you know, there was a just a, a sprinkling, really. Um, so Sam Lane was around and, and Christy Malthouse. Um, you know, they were sort of obviously of my age. And Caroline Wilson, um, who sort of pretty much led the way. And But, you know, it's been wonderful to see. I mean, there's there's almost no job now. Um, I mean, we're, we're, you know, the top, top-end jobs are still uh, dominated by men. But, you know, there's a lot of young females now involved in the industry in, in many varied roles and um, it is wonderful to see and uh, you know as it should be too and of course for you, you would have known a lot about men's afl because well the information is everywhere but for women's afl when did you first start to notice the women's game and how much interest did you have in it before obviously uh, now taking on this gig I've noticed it when I ran my own uh, radio show on SEN called The Hen House and um, the whole idea was to give equal voice to not just female sports uh, athletes, sports people, but also to other sports that uh, got a pretty rough end of the stick when it came to media coverage uh, just generally. So I interviewed... Uh, back then, Daisy Pierce, and uh, and found out that Daisy came from the same country town that I come from, a place called Bright in country Victoria, northeast Victoria, and and, I, and that, that sort of picked up my interest. Um, you know, my initial idea of women playing football was that it, it wasn't anything great. I mean, to be honest with you, that was you know probably now over ten years ago. And uh, but I mean, how wrong I was. I then uh, played. Probably about a year later, I played in the inaugural, or the very first international women's football match um, at the USAFL Championships. And I was doing a documentary for then Fox Footy and uh, got tapped on the shoulder and asked to play. Um, you know, and I loved it. And I could see just the passion amongst the girls and, and pretty good skill. And then played in a couple of exhibition matches and just watched uh, the women then, you know, just uh, exponentially improve. And, um, and to the point now, it was fantastic to hear Gillian McLaughlin, you know, bring the, uh, the launch of the inaugural women's uh, football you know, coming forward from 2020 to, to this year. So it's exciting times, and, and I can tell you, you know, over all my experience, um, there, this has just been bubbling and re- ready to explode. And, you know, there are so many young girls out there who love the game and women who love the game, and uh, I can only see this being an absolute success in, in every way. And during the week as well, you had obviously a photo shoot to get ready to uh, prepare the promotion for this uh, program starting on Sunday, 5th of February. Um, you had the likes of Stephanie Kiochi, Melissa Hickey, Moana Hope, Katie Brennan. What was your first impressions of meeting them and getting to chat about them and, and learning about their life a little more before obviously you're going to share a panel with them from Sunday? Oh, they're all fantastic. I, I'd met Mel um, over the pre- preceding two weeks. I've been trying to get around to, well, obviously the all Victorian clubs as much as possible um, since I got back from, from Christmas break. And, uh, yeah, and, and they're all they're, they're great great women, uh, you know, massive passion for the game um, as much as, you know, as, as all the men that I've interviewed uh, over the last 25 years have been playing footy. And, and yeah, it's, it's no different, um, you know. Uh, they've all got wonderful stories. I think that's actually 
the exciting part from a journalist perspective and a storyteller is that, you know, in the men's game, so many of the stories have been told because there's so many journalists covering it. Whereas you know, for the women's game, you know, there's over 200 athletes out there who each have a unique story. And, and because of it's been such a hard pathway, um, you know, there's, they're, they're amazing inspirational stories. So I can't wait to get out there and, uh, you know, and start revealing and telling these stories and, and hopefully and no doubt inspiring another generation of uh, sports people coming through. And best not we forget another female, of course. Uh, she was on uh, Future Stars reporting on women's football. Yes. She's the producer Roz. of the program and a reporter, Ros Lanigan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ros will be uh, obviously joining me every week. And she's got a thing on the pulse as far as all news is concerned, uh, you know, in the AFLW. And uh, we'll be delivering that with a plum, no doubt. So, yeah, it'd be great to be sharing the couch with uh, Ros. And, you know, fantastic to have a sidekick of someone of of her experience and, and also passion for the game as much as I have. And for fans that do tune in uh, each Sunday, what can they expect to see on the Women's Footy Show? Oh, look, it's going to be fun. You know, it's going to be laid back, but informative. Uh, as, as I just mentioned you know, previously, we're going to be revealing those unique stories. Um, obviously, we can't reveal all of them, but they'll be cherry picked, so to speak. And, uh, and you know, obviously, there'll be an analysis. We've got uh, a couple of the, of the guys. Um, Easton Wood, he will kick off the show um, with his analysis of the games that have been played. So it's on a Sunday. So three of the games would have been played. And then there's the, um, the Melbourne-Brisbane uh, match to be played at Casey Fields Sunday afternoon on the 5th so you know we'll have a preview of that match so pretty much that'll be um, you know the format it'll be different to the men's footy show but there'll be obviously some you know similarities um, from the perspective of you know, previewing uh, the, the games to come and of course the debut episode uh, Sunday 10.30am that's Sunday the 5th of February but of course Tiffany uh, fans need not fear if they tune in 10.30 the next week and not see it it is a rotating time slot I believe it is it's rotating over between 10.30 and I believe one over the eight weeks, um, Channel Nine is trying to give it as a you know much chance of uh, of drawing in a, a big crowd as and viewership as possible. So they'll be they'll be leading into uh, you know other good programming, uh, which I think is a really great idea for the inaugural season. And just quickly as well, with Croc Media getting behind women's football, of course there'll be uh, radio coverage to uh, back that up as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, you can tune in every week. Radio will be covering every game. And, uh, you know, look, we've got all things covered as far as the AFLW is concerned. And if, uh, you know, if you want to find out about it, then obviously get online, but tune in, uh, whether it be television or radio. But, you know, get in and support these these uh, these women playing footy. They can play. I'm really impressed by the level of skill. And it is only going to get better. And the young kids coming through, you know, they've been coming through the same pathways as the, as the guys. Um, and, you know, over the next couple of years, we're going to really see an incredible brand of football. And, Tiffany, before we let you go, can we get your early tip? Who do you think might take the flag? Well, um, all the talk, you know, from the West is that Fremantle's one of the, probably the early favourite, uh, just because they're very strong women's football in the West, and obviously they got the pick um, of that state. So I would have to say that they'll be in the grand final, and just looking from what I've seen, it'll be a, a Carlton or Collingwood. Well, Tiffany, thank you very much for joining us here on the GirlsPlayFooty.com podcast, and we wish you all the very best with women's footy on the Nine Network from 10.30am Sunday, February 5th. 
Thanks so much, Peter, for having me on your show. And since we're on the subject of TV, let's talk about the broadcast guide for round one of the AFL Women's Competition, how you can catch the game in case you might not be going along to the venue. I do need to mention that uh, this first round of football, because it's not any double headers with the men's uh, preseason competition. It means all of these games are free. So if you can get along there, go. Free entry. Now on Friday night, February 3rd at Princess Park, 7.45pm bounce down. Carlton versus Collingwood. It'll be live on the 7 Network and Fox Sports from 7.30pm. Also live via the AFL website. And of course, there'll be some radio coverage for this historic event. Triple M. SEN 1116, ABC Radio and AFL Live, which of course broadcast into regional areas, most notably the Ace Radio Network throughout regional Victoria. Uh, on Saturday, two games, uh, the Adelaide Crows versus GWS Giants, that Saturday Twilight game, uh, that'll be covered by Fox Sports, 5pm Eastern, and that'll also be on the AFL website. Uh, later on Saturday evening, will be the Western Bulldogs versus Fremantle at VU Witten Oval. That game, 7.30pm uh, time for the broadcasts on 7 and Fox Sports. Again, also live via the AFL website. And on Sunday the 5th of February, 5.05pm Eastern Bounce Down. Uh, this will be live on Fox Sports and also available via the AFL website. So, catch it. If you can't get along to the game, catch it on TV or particularly for the Friday night game, you can also get radio coverage of that. Now into our next interview, a woman that hopefully might be playing in the AFL Women's Competition for 2018. She certainly impressed us at the USAFL Nationals, playing for the combined Montreal-Boston team. Uh, she is from Canada. Uh, she plays for the Montreal Angels, also the NDG Giants, and also played for Quebec at the AFL Canada Nationals. She's currently in Melbourne, uh, training with the Victorian Women's Football Academy. She'll be pulling on the jumper for the East and Devils in the VFL women's season and then representing Canada in Melbourne at the AFL International Cup in August this year. It's a pleasure to have on the line Valerie Moreau. Now, Valerie, like we ask every international footballer, how did you first get involved and learn about Aussie rules football? <laughs> um, actually, it's like two weeks after I came back from Australia. Um, so I got back from Brisbane and then two weeks later um, I was playing a basketball game and and the referee saw me play, came came up to me after the game. He was like, oh, I saw you, I saw your skills, I saw you can make quick decisions, so yeah, you should come try it out. Uh, try out AFL, and then I did two months later and never stopped going afterwards, so that's pretty much how I discovered it. <laughs> and how long ago was that? Um, about two years ago, yeah, so, something like that. So you're only just a recent convert to the game? Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> and like many um, uh, playing from Canada and the US, they've had soccer background and rugby background. So basketball was predominantly your background? Um, yeah, I played a few sports before also. But yeah, basketball was uh, the last one. So I played for about, I don't know, five to seven years before, yeah, before footy. So, yeah. For you, how long did it take till you finally got a handle of some of the basics, the kicking, the handballing, the one that seems to trip up everyone, the bounce? <laughs> I'm still working on that, everything, all of these. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I don't know. But after one season, I was pretty much um, able to control a kick and um, a hand pass. Uh, the bounce was pretty easy because of the basketball background, so that's not too bad. But, yeah, I'm still working on a kick and a hand pass uh, for sure. It's never um, completely uh, perfect. So, yeah, still working on that. <laughs> 
And, of course, uh, in Canada, you played uh, with the NDG Giants, uh, the Montreal Angels, uh, even the Quebec side at the Nationals, including playing along some of the uh, famous Legos. Yes, Amy. Yes, Amy and Margot. <laughs> yeah, two incredible players that I really, really miss. <laughs> Were you shocked yourself when your name got called out to be part of the uh, Canadian team, the reigning world champions that will be defending their title at this year's International Cup? Um, yes and no. Um, I was surprised last year when I got drafted, well, not drafted, but like selected for um, the game against the U.S. because that was my um, my rookie year. So that's when the big surprise was. Uh, after that, I just kept um, improving and kept working every time So for that goal. So um, it would have been a surprise if I wouldn't have been selected, honestly. Uh, that was my goal. That, w- that was what I was working for. And that's what I told Jason, um, the Team Canada coach, when I started playing free for Team Canada. Um, he, he asked me, like, why do you want to play? And I was like, I want to go to IC. So uh, I was pretty happy when my name got called out, actually. <laughs> and because you played in the Nationals, I'm interested to know, is the standard of football fairly even across Canada or is, is one area fairly dominant? Oh, um, no, it's pretty, it's pretty even. Uh, we're, uh, we've played against each other f- uh, for the first time at the Canadian Nationals um, last May, I think, in Vancouver. And uh, the level is pretty good through uh, all, uh, all the teams. So we've got like four teams at the moment. So I think we've got like uh, Quebec, Ontario, Alberta and BC. Um, Alberta, especially Calgary, is mostly, is definitely the team to beat every time. But uh, yeah, every other team is not that far away. So no, the girls are pretty skilled all around the country. Of course, in October, you came down to the United States to Florida to play the combined side of uh, the Montreal Angels with Boston, Philadelphia, Arizona and Des Moines, a.k.a. the Wild Bunch. How did you find that experience? <laughs> um, oh, that was one of the best times um, I've had uh, for, for a while. That was uh, just an incredible weekend. Um the U.S. Nationals, it was my second time going to the U.S. Nationals, and every time it's just so fun to see friends from all around uh, America. It's people that we don't see get to see really often. But, uh, yeah, seeing friends, playing footy, having fun, all of this together over a weekend, it's just, yeah, it's just amazing. So that was a, that was a really, really nice weekend. As you said, it was your second time at the Nationals. Have you seen a change in standard over the last 12 months? Um, well, the Nationals are definitely improving in uh, organization first. Like, this is always good, but, like, it, they're improving every year. And same thing for the players. The skills, uh, the teams are getting better and better every year. I reckon it's because there's more players all around uh, America, I guess. But, uh, yeah, definitely, it's definitely getting better every time uh, for the organization and the, the skills for through the, the entire teams. It's pretty good. For yourself, when did you make the decision to uh, come down to Australia? <laughs> that has been something that has been on my mind um, since I started playing footy, actually, because when I start something, I kind of get involved into it like 100%, and if it's not more. So as soon as I started, and then when I reached um, the top level in Canada, I was like, oh, I, I, I want to keep doing this. That's It's like my dream when I was a little girl was to become a professional athlete. I uh, never really found a sport where I could do that. Um, now I have the opportunity, so I didn't really have the choice to just follow the dream and come down here and give it a go. <laughs> and you're here for about a year or two in Australia? 
Um, yeah, so for now, I can stay a year because um, I'm on a working holiday visa, so I can stay up to a year, so up to next um, end of October, next year. Uh, I'm planning on uh, staying, trying to find a way to stay longer, so I can stay maybe a second year if I do some farm work, so I'm looking for that at the moment, So because <laughs> that would give me another year on the same visa, so that would allow me to work uh, anywhere, so if... I do get drafted, uh, that would be considered a work, so I would be able actually to get drafted. So I'm working on this at the moment, but yeah, I would definitely love to stay longer, so I'm trying to plan this already. And you managed to get yourself into the Victorian Women's Football Academy. How did that all come about? Um, actually, that is, uh, that's because of Kenny, so uh, Kendra. Um, we do. We can. We could get invited if we knew someone um, that would recommend us to um, Darren, who's like the who's the in charge of the academy. Um, so she did recommend us. Um, I decided to join it, and uh, Darren gave me um, gave me an opportunity. I took it, and then since I started playing there, it's just been amazing. The academy is really. Uh, really really full of skilled girls there they want to improve and they want to get drafted next year so it's really the best place i could be right now to improve so and 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 after they've seen you for the first few weeks what was some of the initial feedback to you what do they want to see you develop on in your game um definitely the skills Uh, i mean i've only played for two years so definitely i'm not at the top level for the skills compared to uh, all the other girls that i've had the chance to play against but um that's what I'll work. Uh, I'll work on uh, definitely the kicking uh, a lot. But uh, as I'm short, my my role is um, probably definitely going to be like pick up the ball and run, try to win my own ball. So that's what I'm going to be working on, so that I can be really good into something. So then that's going to help me to improve my my chance of being drafted next year. So yeah, that would be it. Other than that, uh, I've got the speed, got the quick decisions. They're there. Um, hard to tackle. So yeah, definitely work on skills. So then I could be a really really good player and improve my chances of being drafted. And, of course, you managed to play for the academy in the trial game against Collingwood. Now, we know they didn't keep scoring. That was a little bit one-sided. Collingwood won uh, easily. But, of course, they are going to be an AFL women's team, so they are top level. But how did you find the experience having to come up against uh, literally the best of the best? Uh, Honestly, that was amazing. I couldn't believe it until I got on the field. Uh, Playing against these girls was just exactly the reason why I came here for. I wanted to play against the best players, and that's what I did. Um, we've actually had the chance to play against them again with the academy. We did way better. Uh, our midfielders were um, Collingwood players, so I'm going to give them that, but uh, we definitely gave them um, a good game that time, uh, better than uh, the first one, but uh, it, it was just so amazing to play against these girls because you get to see uh, what level you need to reach if you do want to get drafted, so it gave me an idea of what I need to do if I do want to get drafted, so yeah, couldn't I was just really, really happy to be on that field, and thank you for to the academy for giving us this, uh, giving us this uh, opportunity. It's just amazing. <laughs> uh, at the nationals, I actually saw you as an attacking midfielder, but in one of the games of the academy versus the Magpies, I saw you more hanging around the back line. What do you prefer, a forward or, or defensive role? Um, ah, that's a hard one. I really like to be everywhere, and I that's because of back home we tend to try to do everything. Here, that's one of the first thing I learned is you, you you're gonna have a role and you have to stick to your role. So, um, for now, I have to say I pretty like I really like to play defense in that game because I knew what I was doing. Uh, it's way easier to follow a player than to try to create uh, a play, create opportunities. So for now, I really feel more comfortable in defense, but would definitely love to um to play mid and go back to the forward like to maybe kick some goals. <laughs> and of course, the VFL women's season is uh, coming up. That begins in May. And I believe you're continuing the Canadian connection by signing up with the Eastern Devils. 
<laughs> yes, I followed um, Amy and uh, Kendra's path. Just went to for the Devils too. Yep. <laughs> and how have you found that? Because they've only just uh, begun training themselves as a Devils group. Um, well, it's actually it's they're just so, so, such an amazing bunch of girls. But uh, it's it's just I think the best team I could join. Uh, I've been recommended it by my um, Team Canada coach back home. Um, there's a major who's uh, the coach over there. He was also my um, well, my housemate because I used to live with I, I live with Major and Kendra actually. So it's just the best thing I could join for opportunities for um, just to get to know footy to improve my chances again to get drafted. It's just. Yeah, it was the, the decision to make. And the full-on footy continues for you personally because uh, also in August, uh, I think it's August uh, 5 to 17, uh, you've got IC17 playing for Canada up against the likes of Ireland, Great Britain, the USA and so on. Yep. Yeah, can't wait for that to happen. That's going to be really, really good. Pretty intense month, but can't wait for that to happen. I'm getting excited already about that. <laughs> and just quietly, what's the feeling amongst the Canadian girls? Um, because, you know, this is it. This is the year. This is the International Cup. And for the first time, you're going in as reigning champions. You're going in as the hunted. <laughs> yeah, well, I think we we feel pretty confident about it. Uh, we like to say that we're the best country uh, outside of Australia for footy, so we do like we do feel confident. Um, but yeah, no, we're gonna come in with um, we're gonna be skilled, we're gonna be fit. Uh, the girls are working really hard back home. Uh, we're making sure to keep track of what everyone's doing. We have uh, a group where we all follow each other, where we all support each other, uh, give tips to each other. So no, the girls are pretty. They're gonna be ready, and uh, we're definitely gonna give anything to the other teams we're gonna we're gonna be there to win and nothing less <laughs> well valerie thank you very much for joining us here on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast we wish you all the success throughout the remainder of the summer and autumn with the uh, victorian women's football academy and then when you pull on the devil's jumper and after that when you pull on the canadian jumper as well Thank you so much. <laughs> You're listening to the girlsplayfooty.com podcast, but now it's time to talk to someone from another podcast, specifically the Outer Sanctum. She's one of the six hosts of that program. She is also an author, a speaker. She is a writing teacher. And the reason why we're interviewing her is because she's a co-author of this new book, A Footy Girl's Guide to the Stars of 2017. Her name is Nicole Hayes, and we have her on the line. Nicole, how are you? I'm really well. Thanks for having me, Pete. Great to have you, and great to see this new book out, uh, previewing the stars of the AFL Women's Competition, which gets underway this weekend. Uh, First of all, how did the idea come about for this book? Uh, Alicia and I, as you mentioned in the intro, um, worked on From the Outer with Black Ink and Aviva Tuffield, um, one of the publishers there, uh, approached us to, um, you know, to come up with an idea or she came up with the idea of um, doing some sort of aimed at children, some kind of um, guide to new women's competition. Um, We started talking about it and this emerged quite quickly. So we we put it together really quickly. We wanted to be sure um, to get hold of the players before, you know, it was immediately following the AFL AFL season proper last year when they were all around for the exhibition matches. So we had to kind of pull it together fairly quickly. But um, once we got the interviews in in the bag, we were good to go from there. And as you said, uh, this is a book that uh, you've purposely aimed at children. Obviously, if people are thinking about buying a gift, what, what age range? So it's 7 to 12 is the guide. Um, so that primary age is probably primary school age is ideal. And um, it's um, got some fun pictures on the illustrations and um, cartoons of the players. And it's uh, got some little quizzes and uh, facts 
sheets as well as some you know fun stuff as well as facts and stats so it's a real mix plus it includes um an interview with one player from each of the uh women's competition clubs so um all eight of them and you know because we did it quite early on there each of them's a marquee or an early draft player and from your early impressions getting to meet these women what, what was your thoughts about them their personalities and their stories yeah, you know, there were um, some of them were real standouts in terms of just having really sort of fun um, and interesting ways of coming to football. I mean, that was what we were mostly interested in is that origin story. Um, and the consistent theme across them all was most of them played in a boys' team um, while they were younger because there weren't local girls footy there or any, you know, not in their area. And so um, they were generally had to fight a little bit harder perhaps than everybody else to get a position and generally were met with some resistance early on but proved themselves um and excelled within that within that context and and the other consistent thing that came across for a lot of them was um around that age of 12 or 13 a good number of them had to stop had to stop playing because there wasn't a youth competition for girls at all and the rules uh, stated that um girls couldn't play with boys beyond that age so the, a good number of them have um and this is right across the draft you'll find um you know about four years gap between that sort of 14 to 18 age where they simply had to go and either find another sport or some of them went to umpiring or some other aspect of the game now it's always like trying to pick your favorite child which is always impossible to do but if, if you look at the book who's your favorite story what's your highlight that stands out Oh, okay. Well, that is really like picking my favourite child, although my eldest might argue that I've already done that. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, look, I think the standouts are the fun ones. So um, Darcy Vessio, who's um, the, the Blues uh, Carlton, um, she works there. She's actually designed their, their jumper too, their Guernsey. She works at the club as a, a graphic designer. She talks about one um, game, one before a grand final where she was so caught up trying to stay, keep her mind clear that she started playing Pokemon Go and like just traipsed around the neighbourhood. She reckoned she clocks up 10Ks, approximately 10Ks, just chasing Pokemon Go to keep her mind off the, the pending grand final. Um, and when the siren bounced, she basically was exhausted <laughs> by the time the game started. Um, so that's a, a really fun one. Um, Daisy uh, Pierce, who we'd all know and who's going to be on TV quite a bit, I think she's got a few gigs around. She talks about having memories of, you know, those early memories of playing in the backyard with her brother um, where they both have used orange peel to make mouth guards and, like, run around trying to imitate the, the senior players with mouth guards in their mouths, with, you know, orange peel mouth guards in their mouths for some bizarre reason. Um, and uh, Katie Brennan um, lived on a property way out, um, gosh, I think at Brightway, and her and her brother would literally just take the footy and pack a lunch, like, just so they could go for the day and just disappear while her parents would be out looking for them, um, just to hide so they could play footy all day. So there's a whole lot of fun stuff like that. Probably one of my faves, uh, favourites is um, Sabrina Frederick-Traub, who um, came to Australia when she was, I think she was about eight, and was introduced to footy at a shopping centre, like a mall, where there were West Coast Eagle players signing footballs, and her mum's standing there saying, I don't know what that is, but it's free, and I want you to stand there. <laughs> get in the queue and, and get one. And so she remembered being quite impressed by the rather handsome footballers who were signing um, footballs and fell in love, you know, well, probably, you know, at least got interest in the game. And then at school, that was her 
sort of way of breaking through. She was friends mostly with boys, and they played footy at lunchtime. So she had the the choice of standing on the sidelines and watching or getting in there and having a kick. And, you know, she got more than a kick, I guess. And now she's a Brisbane superstar, one of their marquee players. And, of course, she described herself a couple of years ago as the Jamaican-born English girl that went on to captain the Australian youth girls team. Yeah, yeah. She's an absolute superstar with the most unlikely of backgrounds. And, of course, we get to know a little bit more about one player this Saturday because you've got a book signing happening at the Younger Son and the Son Bookshop in Yarraville for those that are in Melbourne. It's happening this Saturday at 2pm. You've got a special guest from the Collingwood Football Club coming along. Yeah, superstar Emma King's going to be there. Um, you just didn't get the biggest name. You got the tallest name. <laughs> uh, tallest and biggest. We went, we went, we went big um, all round. So she's going to be there um, giving us a bit of some skills, training, um, have a bit of a kick with everybody. It's actually outside. The, there's a pop-up park there in Yarraville in Ballarat Road. And the youngest son has a stall there. So they're going to um, have the event there. She'll have a bit of a play around with some of the kids. And we'll be asking her some questions and hopefully some of the um, the fans will be able to get a, will get a chance to have a chat with her too. So party pies, sausage rolls, it's um, a footy day. Perfect for that um, first round of women's footy. And of course, if uh, people do buy the book of the day, will they be able to get that signed? Absolutely. We'll, we'll be there with our pens ready to go. And of course, remember in Yarraville this Saturday, 2 p.m. at the pop up at the pop up park, should I say, in front of the uh, Sun Bookshop in Yarraville, just near the theatre. Most people should remember that famous uh, Sun Theatre in Yarraville. Now, another couple of things we just want to uh, touch on. Uh, first of all, if people are looking to buy the book, uh, where will they be able to buy it from? Can they buy it in store or online? Yeah, both. It should be in. Uh, I- they are probably unpacking it as we speak. It's this week. It's due out sort of, I think, officially today. So um, if it's not in bookshops today, it will be in the next couple of days. Most of them have it. It's certainly available online. You can go via the Black Ink website or the um, Penguin website. But basically, you Google a footy girl's guide to the start of 2017 and you'll find lots of outlets where you can um, either pick it up or order it online. And, of course, as we introduced at the start of the podcast, you're part of one of the famous six of the Outer Sanctum. And, of course, we love everything the Outer Sanctum do, except maybe that you barrack for Hawthorne. That's that's a bone of contention. <laughs> but uh, it's great to hear that you guys are back and uh, just about any moment people will be able to find online episode one for 2017. Yeah, we are back. We've recorded the episode this morning um, at The Age. It's our new partnership which is with The Age newspaper in, uh, in the city. So we have nice swish... Um, studios and professional sound and I, that doesn't mean we're still not going to do our guerrilla um, journalism every now and then. We, we do enjoy doing that getting out in the car and, and parking in some random street and trying um, you know trying not to uh, to steam up the windows while we, <laughs> we all crowd in there but um, we th- that episode's probably going to go live tomorrow I think um, and we our first guest is Daisy Pierce. We thought we'd start right at the top. And, of course, Stacey Pierce, the seven-time league best and fairest. Six Helen Lambert medals in the VWFL and, of course, uh, winning the first ever best and fairest in the VFL women's competition. And, as you said, you're with The Age, uh, not just a podcast. I believe there's a few other things we can look forward to uh, throughout the year. Yeah, well, we're, we're all doing lots of different things around that. Um, it's all sort of still unfolding as we go. But um, for the duration of the women's comp, we will be hosted by The Age, and, you know, if there's one thing uh, the, that the women's comp has managed to do is we don't have a we don't have a team at Hawthorne, so we've actually all chosen different teams for <laughs> duration of the women's comp. So there you go. That's um, maybe we'll be less revolting 
and less smug, <laughs> at least for the next few weeks. Uh, Nicole, I should ask, whose bandwagon have you jumped on? Oh, see, I'm a big fan of Sabrina Frederick Schwab. So I'm leaning towards Brisbane, but I've got a very big soft spot for the for the Bulldogs as well. So you know, I'm I'm going to be a bit of a free agent, I think, for most of this. And, of course, don't forget, a footy girl's guide to the stars of 2017 is available on now. Just look in your bookstores or, of course, find Black Ink online. Uh, Nicole, thank you very much again for joining us here on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. All the very best with your signing this Saturday and the sales of the book and, of course, your first edition coming out for the Outer Sanctum. Thank you. I hope to see you down there. You're listening to the GirlsPlayFooty.com podcast with Peter Holden, episode one of 2017. It's great to see many new women's teams popping up throughout Australia, but the women's game is also developing quite quickly overseas. And one such city that's embracing Aussie rules football now is Los Angeles. In uh, late December, a Facebook page popped up, originally called the Southern California Catalinas, trying to encourage women in Southern California to take up Aussie rules. A couple of more women joined the group from another club and at the moment their page says Los Angeles women's AFL team but they are voting on in the next week or two their name and their colours and we've got two of the members of that team in Eileen Yoon and Leilani Cordoba Silvio on the line. Ladies thank you very much for joining us and uh, we need to ask how did the concept of a Los Angeles women's Aussie rules team start? Leilani and I had both talked about it when we first met a few months ago uh, in LA through um, our significant others. They play on the men's LA Dragons team. Um, And obviously since both of us were interested in footy and Leilani was already playing at the time and have been for a few years, uh, we definitely wanted to try to get a team going, but um, we we knew it was a little bit of, of a lot of effort that would need to happen. Um, and I was just getting into playing the sport. I had been a spectator for about three years, um, watching the men play, and I wanted to get get into the sport. Um, so I connected with Leilani, and she got me to play with Sacramento, and that was where she was playing at the time. Um, and we discussed maybe potentially um, starting a team together, and like ironically, um, USAFL announced that the Nationals would be in San Diego and um, we thought that'd be a perfect opportunity to start the team. Um, and then there's one other uh, woman co-founder of the team, um, Lauren Sullivan, and um, she she wasn't playing in the U.S. at the time, but she had played in Australia and um, she linked up with us and uh, we decided to eventually all work together to get this going. And Leilani, for you, um, who first introduced you to Aussie Rules Football? How did you uh, get into playing uh, originally with Sacramento? Um, Well, I was in Boston. I came to LA a year and a half ago. Um, But before that, I was in Boston for a few years because my husband was in the military. And uh, as an officer in the Air Force, he was working with an Australian exchange officer uh, with their program. And um, Cam Douglas, the Australian officer, got us into it. And, well, he got my husband into it. And then I was like, what am I going to do? Because we always do everything together. We're both, we're both very sporty people. So I was like, I want to play too. And they're like, yeah, there's a girl team. I'm like, that's great. And then the rest is history. 
we know, of course, of the famous Boston Demons over on the East Coast. Uh, Sacramento had their first win at the USAFL uh, Nationals in October, uh, defeating the New York Magpies. Um, I believe originally the Los Angeles page started off yeah. as the Southern California Catalinas. We had officially linked up with Laren to um, start the LA team. Um, I know she had a vision, and we weren't—we didn't know her very well. And she wanted to definitely get a team going. And Lonnie and I, since we were obviously both playing with Sacramento at the time, um, had just discussed it within the two of us. And when we found out that Laren had decided to start a Southern California team, um, we decided to reach out to her and see if we could help. And, and eventually we realized there's, there's a really good momentum and a lot of interest. Um, so um, we, de- we decided to all the three of us link up and try and um, come up with a plan of how to build the team. And um, that plan began with uh, linking up with the, the men's the men's team, the LA Dragons, since we obviously have connections to them, um, and working together to build a women's side so we can be uh, one unified club. I was going to say, are you going to take on the Dragons' nickname or, or down the road you're going to look at maybe having a vote and, and coming up with a different nickname? I, I take, for example, like up in San Francisco, you've got the Golden Gate Ruse, which is the men's side, but the women are the Iron Maidens. We, we've discussed it, and I think we're putting it to a vote right now um, just because there's obviously three of us and a few other women who are definitely um, involved in this process of building the club, so... Uh, we all have a little bit of a different opinions, but um, we're all aligned in, in linking up with the Dragons. Just that, that nickname portion is something that we still want to work on once we establish the club and, and get a good team going. And Eileen, uh, where yeah, we'll have our name voted probably in the next few weeks. And Eileen, uh, whereabouts are the girls training at the moment, and uh, where, do you hope, where do you hope to be playing your games out of if you do host any matches in L.A.? Right now we're training in Sherman Oaks, um, and we've, we've talked about uh, playing some matches in L.A. with the men. Um, I believe we already have a game with San Francisco set. They're, the men are coming down, and the, the women were eager and interested in, in linking up with us as well since they knew we were building a club. Um, so for right now, we'll be playing with the men when they have home games in L.A. And, and we're at a good progression where uh, once the men start playing their Metro games in L.A., and that's usually in um, like the, the South Bay of Los Angeles area, um, we'll be tacking on and playing a few Metro games along with them as well. Um, but the men have been really supportive in helping us search for fields and and being um, being of guidance um, when it comes down to finally starting to put our schedule together. And Leilani, what have the numbers been like in some of the early training sessions for the LA women's team? Um, we started training in December, mid-December of preseason, and ever since we've had um, about eight to twelve girls show up, and I have about like. 10 other players are really interested and are going to start coming for the end of February. Well, that's amazing because even building off of a base of 12, you either A, in the coming months, nearly could form an 18-player-a-side uh, team yourself, or B, in another case scenario, for example, Portland have, I think, about six or seven players. You have the opportunity to combine with another West Coast side to have a fully-fledged team uh, in the Nationals coming up in October. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think... 
our goal, it would be an ideal scenario if we can field a full team. Um, and it's it's been really good because every practice, we've had new women show up. And I think that shows um, how the word is spreading and um, how, how girls are, are very, are, like, already getting very involved. Um, from the beginning, some of these women have never picked up a footy before. And um, I think all the women that have been coming out have been um, very open-minded and eager to play. So it's been awesome to see them um, really quickly learn to love the sport. We know at the moment how the uh, USAFL women's scene is uh, shaped that there's a lot of Metro footy and 16 or 18 a side only gets played every couple of months when there's, for example, the Western Regional Tournament, the Central Regional Eastern, uh, the East versus West Showdown, and of course, uh, the Nationals. Do you hope that, obviously, if you manage to get a full side up, we know of Sacramento, San Francisco, uh, they're trying to build in Portland, they're trying to build in Seattle, um, and even if you want to go as far north into Canada as Vancouver, do you hope that at some stage there'll be some uh, a regular schedule of Western Coast games. Uh, so, therefore, instead of playing every few months, you could be playing every two, three, four weeks. Yeah, of course. I mean, I think um, from when I've started playing, which is just this past year, all the women really want to spread the word and, and get it going. And I think um, eventually that's our goal, to, to continue to meet other women in other cities and, and have a regular schedule of playing full teams. Um, instead of, I think for the women, it's, it's been more common uh, at those bigger tournaments. As we look uh, at the bigger picture of USAFL women's, it's in one way different to the men's. Of course, we know in the men's uh, competition there's the 50-50 rule. You can't have more than 50% of Aussies in a side. But on the women's side of things, it's actually very rare to spot an Aussie woman playing football in the USA. I, I think the competition's, what, 95% American women. Yeah, I agree. I've been playing with a lot of different teams ever since I started, sometimes as a pre-player, and I have only seen one Aussie until now that we're starting our team in L.A., and we've been lucky enough to meet four women that are Aussies. What is the plan going ahead as we try to get to the Nationals? Um, um, have you tried and roughly schedule out how, how many tournaments you'd be like to be playing in, as we mentioned earlier, Western Regional, East-West, for example, um, to try and get some match experience up before the, the uh, big one in San Diego? Uh, Lonnie, do you want to answer that question? I mean, uh, we've definitely heard of, of a few of the tournaments, and obviously, like, the Western Regionals is a, is a big goal for us to get enough women to go yeah. out to Denver this year. Um, yeah, yeah, we were talking about this today, actually, too. Um, we definitely want to make Western Regional, and we're going to try our best to make um, the Portland tournament in May, um, and then maybe one other one, and then we're going to host a game in September, hopefully, with, uh, with the Iron Maidens, as I said, and then that will get us ready for Nationals. We also want to do Metro games starting in May, as long as we have enough women play like nine aside, eight aside, or something like that, and teach the girls the rules of the games and all that. Via Girls Play Footy, we found your page, uh, your Facebook page, to know of the LA women's team. Uh, what else have you been doing on social media channels? Have you got Instagram or Twitter up? And how have you been trying to recruit your players and get attention so far? Um, nothing else yet. I think for the most part, most of our um, recruitment now has been on Facebook, but um, I know Leilani and Laren both did a great job before um, the start of 2017 
just constantly meeting new women um, when they go out and um, getting them interested in playing with us in L.A. Um, so once the three of us linked up closer to the end of last year, um, Lonnie and Laren had both um, built a database of, of, I say, like 20 to 30 women that they had met and had somewhat expressed interest. So um, in addition to promoting on Facebook, we've been trying to actively reach out to those women and continue to try and keep their interest so they can come out. And just before we let you go, the most important thing of all, of course, if there's anyone based in LA or around the area that's interested in signing up for the LA women's team, uh, where can they get more information and where should they be showing up to practice? Uh, so our um, Facebook page right now is, is our main point of contact and we check it regularly. Uh, that's the Los Angeles Women's uh, USAFL 2017 team. I know it's a long name right now and once we we vote on our, our official name, we'll be changing that. Um, so if you shoot us a message on Facebook, that's the quickest way to get to us. Um, we practice, we'll be practicing every Saturday um, at 1 p.m. in Sherman Oaks, um, which is in the Valley of L.A., um, at least for now, um, until until the season kicks off. Um, and... Yeah, and we've been posting our practices, and it's public for, for anyone to comment and attend. So um, we'd love to hear from, from the ladies if they're interested at all. And again, just to mention, their Facebook page as it stands is titled Los Angeles Women's AFL 2017 Team or go facebook.com forward slash LA Women's AFL and uh, you'll be able to find their page. As they've said, they've got about uh, 12 women training so far, almost 20 on the books, but obviously if they can get more, they might be able to get a full team and take part in some of these regional tournaments and the nationals, which would be absolutely fantastic to have a women's footy team based out of Los Angeles. Now it's time to come back home to Australia, to Melbourne, and focus on round one of the AFL Women's competition and that's why I've got on the line one of our callers from the girlsplayfooty.com radio team Matthew Cox to have a look at round one and uh, Coxie what a way to start possibly the two oldest rivals in uh, AFL at least on the men's side will now start their tradition on the women's side Carlton and Collingwood Princess Park Friday night 7.45pm bounce down what an occasion. Yeah, per- perfect way, isn't it? When the fixture was fir- first announced, you couldn't really go past it. And it's one of the reasons why these two sides are, are in the AFLW. It's because we're trying to get the rivalry uh, that's in the men's side of things across into the women's, and it's a perfect way to open it, and especially to it. Princess Park, I know there's um, rumours going around that there's about 20,000 people that could descend there on Friday night, which would be absolutely massive and a great way to kick things off. And we can only hope now that uh, the game lives up to, to expectation. I know what you're talking about with drawing power because I guess North Melbourne was probably the side that felt a bit stiff. They were the ones that missed out on, on getting a licence. They put such uh, forward such a great bid because they had uh, an association with Melbourne University. Uh, they wanted to grow football in Tasmania, but it, it purely came down to backsides on seats. And as much as Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs have developed women's football, I guess you have to look at it that you do need the Carlton-Collingwood types just to have that little bit of insurance that at least you're going to have some big drawing crowds in some of those games. Well, that's it. They're, 
the household names right across the country, aren't they? Uh, Collingwood, you know, it's it's what do they refer to? The Manchester United of the the AFL. Everyone knows them. They've got um, you know they've got a lot of lot of money and um, a lot of fans to go along with it. And if you didn't have them in the competition, then uh, I know it hurts to say this as a, a red and black man myself, but without them in the competition, um, yeah, it wouldn't probably be as successful as what it is going to be. And, and, and the same goes for, for Carlton, even though their men's side hasn't been going along smoothly in the recent years, they've still got a very large following. And to have these two sides and the, the history between them in, in the men's form of the game, as I said before, hopefully it, it transfers into the women's and we, we get a rivalry from the word go because, um, yeah, it, it's only going to get bigger and better. So let's have a look. Friday night football live on Channel 7 and on Fox Footy. It is Carlton and Collingwood. Carlton, we're talking about the marquees. We've got Vessio, Davey, Arnell, the priority pick over at the Magpies. You've got that solid as a rock defender. Hutchins is the priority pick. And the marquees, the number one ruck in the country, Emma King. And just the number one forward in the country in Moana Hope. Uh, This is a big old showdown when it comes to talent. It is. It is. Uh, you know, Collingwood. They've got the spine, haven't they? They, they have got, um, the, the, as you just said, the best, the best defender, the best ruck, and the best forward in the land when it comes to, to female football. And you look over at Carlton, and they're, they're not quite as strong in the spine, but they have a, a very good engine room. And when you've got the likes of Arnell coming through and you've got Vessio up forward Davey in there as well we know how good she is with with the contested ball um, you know it, it's going to be interesting to see how, how this game plays out I, I think Collingwood purely because they do have that tall timber and spine that uh, they would be able to get over the line but I reckon Carlton are going to give them a run for their money well, let me point out that Carlton defeated Melbourne by 43 points in the practice game uh, about a week or so ago, 52-9, to nine, while Collingwood lost by 10 points against the Western Bulldogs in their practice match at Olympic Park Oval. Um, one thing that we also look forward to out of this game uh, is r- returning players. On the Collingwood side, uh, Lou Watton returning from ti- retirement after two years. And then, of course, on the other side for Carlton, we've got players returning from injury, including the Diamond Creek pair and in, in Katie Loins and Shay Ortley. Yeah, and it, it's great that those stories too are, are coming up. Um, you know, obviously Loins and Ortley were, were missed sorely by Diamond Creek last year in the, the VFL women's competition, and it'll be great to see them back on, on the park and hopefully that they can have an impact for Carlton. And you speak of uh, Lou, Lou Watton, um, obviously her, her name isn't bandied around so hopefully she can have an impact too I know she's been doing a lot of other things away from football when it comes to uh, is it triathlons that she competes in? Yes, two years worth of triathlons, yeah Yeah, so it's not like she's just been sitting on the couch waiting for the opportunity you know, I think she'll be fit and primed and a little refreshed too after stepping away from football so it's great to have those stories and of course when you think about it, you've also got Meg Hutchins, who's, who's still, towards the end of last year, was recovering from that knee injury. So hopefully that's all sorted out. She just didn't look quite right in that uh, elimination final last year. So on the line, your tip, Carlton Collingwood. Can I go to the draw? <laughs> that's a cheap no, way I'm out. <laughs> I've got splinters from sitting on the fence. No, I think uh, Collingwood would 
will uh, will win this one. So the pies for you. I'm going for the pies as well. Uh, Theberton Oval. That's a flashback in old Sandfall ground. Uh, and that is Saturday afternoon football, 4.35pm local time. The Adelaide Crows and the GWS Giants. And if you're to believe uh, the pundits, uh, they reckon these two teams could be the bottom two. Yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure. I mean, Adelaide... <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know how many wins they're going to get on the board. I think it, it's going to be a very tough season for them. But for GWS, I don't know. I reckon they could almost be a smoky this year. They, they do have a little bit of experience flowing through. They've obviously got a lot of young talent as well. But I look at the likes of uh, Alpos, who, of course, plays for, for Darabin. And uh, the, the way she ended last year was well, she had a fantastic final series for the Falcons. So I think, along with her, Phoebe McWilliams is there as well, another player that had a good final series. GWS, I think, could be a real smoky this year. One thing that would have thrown a spanner in the works for them is not only did they lose, obviously, Renee Fourth, uh, their marquee, um, back in September. Uh, she did an ACL in a, uh, a WAWFL semi final. Uh, but they've also lost, I think it's an MCL injury to uh, Louise Stevenson. And uh, there's word on that that she probably won't be ready to maybe round five. Yeah, and that, that's quite a big loss. Is it, is it one of the the uh, she marquee player? No, no, she was just a priority pick. But you can call her, I'd say, a mobile tool from Melbourne Uni. Yeah, yeah, and you know we we mean that her. Well, I've always said her best football is is in the midfield when she's given the responsibility to run around and and doing the ruck. So that is quite a, a big loss uh, for them if uh, she's out for the first part of this season, but uh, I'm going to go with the Giants in, in this one. I unfortunately don't see much hope for Adelaide. I disagree. I am going for the Adelaide Crows. I like the likes of Randall and Gibson. I think they were smart when they uh, managed to pick up Sarah Perkins. I don't get this, Coxie. Sarah Perkins finished third on the uh, VFL women's goal kickers list and somehow didn't get picked up in the draft. She went as a free agent to the Crows. Yeah, well, there you go. I didn't even know that she'd been picked up. So that that is uh, that is quite massive. Am I allowed to change my tip? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll stick I'll stick with the Giants. Stick with the Giants. That game again at Thibodeau Oval on Fox Sports. Uh, let's go across to VU Witten Oval Saturday night, uh, seven thirty-five PM local time. This is an interesting game. The Western Bulldogs and Fremantle live on Seven, live on Fox Footy. This could uh, set one team up and put the dints into the uh, grand final hopes of another. Yeah, it could, and it'll give us a real indication too as to uh, who, you know, how, obviously it's going to be round one and, and things are going to take time to, to gel for the clubs, but I, I, this is the first opportunity where we'll see uh, the Western Australian side, if you like. We know how competitive that they've been uh, when they've played state footy against Victoria and, you know, the, the ripper of the game that you called a couple of years ago. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm almost tempted to, to tip the Dockers for the flag, but I just don't know enough about them. Uh, you know, Michelle Cowan at the, at the helm over there, you know, she's done some great things with Melbourne over the years. Uh, and then on the flip side of things, you've got the Western Bulldogs, who are technically coming off uh, a win in the, the Hampson-Hardeman Cup from, from last year, even though there's been a fair bit of personnel change on their list. But, uh, you know, you've got the likes of Brennan, Blackburn uh, running through there as well. Um, 
yeah, this is another toss of the coin for me. I'm not quite sure which way to go. I'm going for the Western Bulldogs in this one. I'm going home ground advantage. Let me just talk to you about the tolls of the Western Bulldogs. You have got Tiana Ernst, possibly the only ruck woman in an exhibition match to match her with Emma King so far. You've got Astro O'Connor, which until King came along was considered the, the number one ruck going around. You've got Lauren Spark, who uh, rucked in two exhibition games for the Western Bulldogs before going over to London. You've got Elise Gamble, uh, best uh, ruck coming out of Tasmania and was an All-Australian uh, youth girl as well. That's some tall timber. That's enough to call an, a native old-growth forest. That's how much tall timber they've got <laughs> and you've just twisted my arm there I'm going with the Bulldogs as, as well they've uh, got a pretty impressive list that's for sure I tell you one thing though with Frio I reckon the bookies have been uh, or at least the punters are putting the money on have been very brave to try and back Fremantle into co-favourites for the flag because as, ma- as many see it as oh it's the WA State team here's some of the players that they've lost first of all uh, Kiara Bowers which is even though with Fremantle they've lost her to an ACL she won't be playing this year they lost Chelsea Randall and Kelly Gibson as marquees to the Adelaide Crows they lost uh, Sabrina Frederick Traub to the Brisbane Lions as a marquee they lost as Marquise, albeit one injured, Renee Forth and Emma Swampson uh, to the GWS Giants. Uh, they lost to Collingwood, Edwards. Um, they also lost Slyker, an upcoming ruck, and they lost the best ruck in King. They've lost about um, a dozen players that would normally be in their starting 22. That's a hit. It, it is, and that, that's why I'm not brave enough to, to firmly pick them as, as the tip for the premiership because they have they have pretty much been dismantled haven't the, the cream of the crop has been pulled away from western australia and when you describe it as you just did that that's this, the, the western australian state has probably been stripped back more than what victoria has been because you've still got the, the pool of depth even though it's spread across four clubs um each club still has you know very strong players whereas you look at Fremantle and their their losses both from injury perspective and and the players that have gone into state it is quite big but still I think uh, they've got the right person in in the coaching role over there and I know she can uh, wave her magic wand Michelle Cowan so that's why I'm thinking all hope is not lost just yet for the Dockers and uh, one player I did forget to mention, I'm not sure if we can call her Western Australian, but she was recruited technically from Western Australia and East Fremantle, but she was originally a Tasmanian, of course, is Jessica Wuchner. She kicked the Brisbane Lions' first goal. She'll be playing for the Lions when they travel down to Victoria to take on Melbourne at uh, Casey Fields Sunday afternoon, 5 past 5 local time, live on Fox. Yeah, final, final game of the round, and... Well, they're all interesting games, but another one. I'm just not sure where Melbourne's at, to be to be honest with you. I mean, you, you've got your likes of Daisy Pearce, Elise O'Day, Melissa Hickey, which are all good players, but you haven't really heard much about the rest of the side. They've been going under the radar, so I'm not quite sure what to expect from the Demons in this first round. The Brisbane Lions, they seem to be up and about and full of confidence. Um, so if, if it was in Queensland, I'd be going with the Lions, but purely because it's at Casey Fields, I'm going to tip the Demons. 
I'm going with the Demons as well on a, a couple of factors. Uh, home ground advantage. The other one being I saw um, the last practice game for the Brisbane Lions. Uh, Taylor Harris didn't play. Had her arm in a sling. Apparently a minor, I think, shoulder injury it was that she did at training. But they said she was hopeful for round one. But that is going to be a question mark. And even if she's got a little bit of a niggle, you can imagine uh, the likes of uh, Mel Hickey, who likes the one-on-one physical stuff, might be just trying out that shoulder a little bit early on to see if uh, Harris is fully fit. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't be letting that one go through to the keeper. That's that's for sure. Always a, an aggressive player, Melissa Hickey. And of course, uh, Melbourne full of stars uh, being Daisy Pierce, uh, Elise O'Day, Lily Mithin, Karen Paxman. We mentioned uh, Melissa Hickey, Maddie Boyd in there as well. They've got uh, certainly some great talent, that great young gun in Catherine Smith. But I guess what was perplexing, Coxie, is uh, when they got belted by Carlton that practice game, only scoring one goal, three nine, and struggling to hit targets. Do we just call it an off day at the office? I'm not sure. I, I honestly don't know. I. I'm, I'm tempted to, but then, then again, uh, compared to some of the other sides that we've been hearing about during the off-season, we haven't really got a clear indication as to what the mood is like at, at the Demons. As I mentioned, the, the, the things coming out of Brisbane, they seem to be up and about and full of confidence. You know, Collingwood's dominating the, the press, as is Carlton. Melbourne are just there or thereabouts, and I don't know whether that's because they are one of the two clubs that have been the pioneers of women's football and it's you know they, they're just not going through the motions but um, they're not as excited or as hyped up as some of the other clubs coming into the to the foray but um yeah i i don't i don't know i don't know It'll be interesting to see how it unfolds. I'll just throw one quickly out there for conspiracy theory fans. Um, of course, the last uh, uh, men's coach there at Melbourne was Paul Ruse. And, of course, he was famous at the Sydney Swans of not necessarily worried if his team won or not during a pre-season competition. And, uh, yeah, Sydney would always fall out early of what was the old knockout NAB Cup. But you bet your bottom dollar during the real deal, the Swans were always thereabouts come finals time. Yeah, and that's the thing too. I mean, uh, you, you mentioned before with the the Collingwood uh, Western Bulldogs game. You know, there there wasn't many. You know, they weren't firing on all cylinders, so to speak. So there's a lot of mind games, I think, being played at the moment. A lot of cards being kept uh, close to to people as they just suss out a few different bits and pieces. So I don't think we've seen the entire story yet from from any club and. Round one, I think, uh, will go a little way in deciding where the teams will go in 2017. And Coxie, before we let you go, we're not going to make you do long range like we did on girlsplayfooty.com, which we tipped every game and all the runners-ups, etc. But I will get some basic tips for you. First of all, who do you think will take the AFLW flag? I'm going with, and it hurts me to uh, to say it, but uh, I think Collingwood will uh, be the inaugural winners of the AFL women's competition. I, I just think that their their spine is, is just too good. It, it is too good. They, they've got the right players in the right positions, and they've also got the right support around those players as well. So I, I do think, and I, I said it not long after the draft that uh, penciled them in for the flag. Uh, I think Frio are there or thereabouts and if you want a real smoky maybe Brisbane, uh, I'd pop them into the category. 
And as a follow Essen supporter, I'm with you on a couple of things there. Collingwood to win the flag, and yes, it also pains me to say it. But I've made peace with myself. I'm saying because Essen's not involved in the competition, it's okay. But once the black and red is in there, may normal hostilities resume. That's it. There's another rivalry we want to see in the not-too-distant future. Also, a quick tip on the uh, league best and fairest. Who do you think might get that? Uh, Another tough one. Uh, Tempted to go with uh, the status quo in Daisy Pearce. We know how brilliant of a player she is, but uh, I think Kelly Blackburn might poll well. And, of course, for those who have seen my tip on girlsplayfooty.com, I've gone for another bulldog uh, being Emma Carney. Um, I think uh, Daisy will poll well, but I think Melbourne won't win enough games for her to get three votes in every game to take the medal. And I think someone from maybe the Pies of the Bulldogs will take that out. And the goal... Well, this is probably the easiest one, dare I say. Who will lead the goal-kicking at the end of the season? Uh, well, there's a player that did kick 100 goals in the VFL women's competition last year that I think everyone knows about. Uh, I'll, go, I'll go with Mo Hope, but I reckon uh, Katie Brennan might not be far behind her. I'm going with Moana Hope, but if you've seen my runners-up, I think Darcy Vessio might be the one that gives it a good shake. Yeah, see, I think she might be playing a little further up the ground rather than uh, a deep forward. But uh, anyway, we'll see what happens. Yeah, exactly. It's all exciting and new in uh, 16 aside football. And I might just off the top of your head get one last prediction. Um, how many do you think might show up Friday night to see Carlton and Collingwood at Princess Park? Oh, look, I, I was... I, I'm, I'm going to say 20,000-plus. 20, I think there, there is that much interest in it at the moment. We, we saw the crowd for the grand final last year in the VFL women's and that was four four thousand four or five thousand you had uh, you know two and a half turn up to a practice match the other week um it's friday night there's nothing else on in melbourne um i i, th- I think we're in for a bumper crowd T- 20 twenty thousand I'm, I'm putting them putting my name on that uh, it's a bit like the price is right i'm going the lower end of seven and a half thousand only because i want to say yes there was more so <laughs> <laughs> So therefore, when there was more, oh, that's fantastic news. If it's 7,501, oh, it's great. It's more than I expected. So (laughs) I'm I'm going conservative. That's unlike you, Pete. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> well, Coxie, thank you very much for joining us here on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. We'll catch up with you in a few weeks' time to have a look at another round of the uh, AFL Women's Competition and look forward to your company uh, later in the year for the VFL Women's Season. Uh, looking forward to it, Pete. going to be another big year and uh, looking forward to being a part of it. Well, that just about wraps up our girlsplayfooty.com podcast, first edition for 2017. Thanks again to all our guests, Tiffany Cherry, uh, Valerie Moreau, Nicole Hayes, Eileen Yoon and Leilani Cordoba-Silvio and Matthew Cox. Uh, hopefully we'll be back very shortly with uh, episode two and hopefully we might be able to catch up with someone uh, from uh, England or Europe about what's happening in women's footy uh, there and also we'll be able to uh, have a look at round two of the AFL women's competition as well and plus whatever interviews that you might suggest you can of course get in contact with us via either our Facebook page facebook.com forward slash girls play footy or you can go to our website and just go to the contact us form and fill that out 
girlsplayfooty.com. We'd love to hear of your suggestions of who we should be interviewing. I'm Peter Holden. Thanks again for downloading and listening to the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. And until next time, it's bye for now.